Are you ready to learn? Because my super experienced guests are ready to share some really valuable information. Make sure and listen all the way to the end to get help and support. So let's start with the best audio experience. Hello, good people. Welcome to our show. Bad people. Welcome to our show. Anyone who wanna learn more about content marketing, welcome. Today we are going to discuss about the art of content marketing because today without creativity, it's impossible to get results. I did it before when I started digital. I had a team of writers who could write about anything and competition was low. Google ranked well, social media <laughs> provided engagement. Today it's impossible because everyone online, all companies are online. That's why I'm so excited to discuss this topic with Torben Robertson. How are you? Hey, Anatoly, I'm very well, thanks. How are you? Ah, doing great. Want to learn more about content marketing? And you know what I found? We can speak about content marketing all time. You know, it doesn't stop. Many things we, we can do in content marketing. And uh, I want to start from the basic question about yourself. <laughs> Tell how you started this journey, uh, why you decided to work in content marketing uh, in this sophisticated niche and anything that can help our listeners to learn more about you. Yeah, sure. Well, uh, thanks so much for the question. Happy to talk about myself a little bit. So I really started off on my journey into content marketing just by being interested in the different kinds of, you know, creativity that make up content marketing. During university, I was really into writing. I have always been a writer. And then after university, I also started working with photography and video. So before I became a marketer, uh, you know, a marketer, properly speaking, I was a food photographer. I took videos and photographs of food for a prepared meal company in Toronto where I work. And after that, I thought, well, I'm enjoying the art of content marketing quite a bit. I'm enjoying taking these photographs and videos and writing in my spare time. But I really want to apply the science of content marketing to it as well. So then I went and did uh, a short course in digital marketing. And then that's how I ended up working as a as first a marketing specialist specializing in content and, and now a content marketing manager at a software company. Like you said, it's a very specialized niche that I work in. It's um, basically tax software, um, but that's how I got here. It was just a natural progression from enjoying writing and making photographs and videos and then wanting to professionalize in that space and and turning it into uh, an advertising marketing role. Mm -hmm. Nice, nice. You touch all sides of marketing, content marketing, <laughs> because uh, writing is foundation but without multimedia, it's boring. Uh, it's not like to write a book. Uh, you need to use pictures. And you know that pictures can uh, cost like a thousand words. <laughs> so yeah, and when people open content without multimedia, it's hard to get their attention. And uh, I want to ask from the first question about writing. You mentioned mm -hmm. that you started with this background. And for me, it's the most important element in uh, content creation because you can uh, neglect many things like Wikipedia can do, uh, but uh, it's important to have 
the best quality text. Investopedia, many other great websites. So if you ask me uh, if I have limited budget, I will uh, use all budget to write great text, especially today when we have AI. <laughs> so, uh, and we need to be creative. Uh, can you tell about your writing style? Uh, how you can learn about customers uh, and uh, create text that people want to read until the end? Because we have this high bounce rate and we need mm-hmm. to retain their attention. Any tips about that? Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, obviously, yeah, bounce rates are high for any website, and especially when you have like a dry topic. Um, for example, um, my employer, Car Data, we have um, a very specialized, very technical topic. It's vehicle reimbursement programs. So that's, you know, tax free programs for companies whose employees drive for work. So, okay, how do you write about that in a way that's engaging and gets people reading, gets people clicking, wanting to talk to you and talk to your sales reps, et cetera. For me, you know, the first step was just to really invest in educational style content. So I think that, you know, a lot of marketers have a habit of always wanting to pitch their product and not necessarily provide any extra value for um, their customers. But we kind of decided to take a different approach where we thought, okay, we will we will basically, you know, not necessarily give away the secrets, but we will empower people to make um, lots of decisions and to think critically about their own vehicle programs, whether they go with car data or not. So um, we want to actually serve the people who would benefit from our products. And in that respect, we just decided to create like high value educational content um, about about the problem space because that's how we see it we don't see it as just our products we see it as uh their problems and and we're really trying to solve for them so just delivering like super high value content that allows businesses and administrators and businesses to make um intelligent decisions about their own tax programs their vehicle reimbursement programs that's how we started out and then the second thing that we decided to do was take an approach where we had a high degree of completeness on a given topic. So um, for whatever topic we choose to write about, and you know, like every company, there are maybe six or seven core topics that we're always interested in, in writing about. We wanted to get the articles on the very high level subject and then also drill down and have articles on all of the little minutia that go into that topic as well and just have a high degree of completeness. So if you're reading through one of our articles, and you don't really know what something is, then you can click on the the anchor text, you can click on the link and go to another one of our articles, which is about the same topic, explained in the same voice, presented in the same style, so that you can pretty much find out um, anything you need to about the topic while you're still within our blog space or, or, or one of our main website pages. And that, um, that, so I guess that you know the final the final stage of that goal is to kind of end up being the the Wikipedia for our little problem space within the world. So we have our products that solve these certain tax problems for businesses, and and we want to be the we want to be the Wikipedia for for that space. And that's a luxury that you do have if you are working in um, a niche space that you might not have if you're working at 
a huge company. So let's say instead I was working at Ford Motor Company, I wouldn't be able to be the Wikipedia for cars because there are so many other people who are competing in that space. So many people, so many excellent journalists writing about that topic every day. Um, but, you know, in our little area of the world of, of marketing and of business, we're able to really provide um, a lot of value for people. And we really do have the necessary expertise to be the, the thought leaders in this space. I know that's a bit of an old word now, but um, that is how we kind of started out on this of this journey of, of building our blog up. Um, and that's our goal is to be the, uh, the ultimate resource for, for people who um, need our help, whether they want to be our customers or not. Yeah, nice. Yeah, well explained. Love it, love it. Uh, I want to ask about uh, one important aspect of any content. Uh, once I spoke with Jim Edwards, and uh, he worked in Business Insider for 10 years. Uh, he started on this company from scratch, and then company was sold for $500 million. Great success. Uh, by the way, he wrote a book, uh, say thank you for everything, great book. And uh, he told me that success of Business Insider depends on creating non-boring content. So if we take uh, any content, especially about B2B or business, it's boring. It's not entertainment, but Business Insider found the way how attract users, readers, how to retain them. So can you tell what to do, you know, if, uh, for example, content can have a lot of valuable insights, but if it's boring, people leave it, you know, nobody want to uh, spend time on boring content. Your tips how to entertain and provide value. <laughs> Yeah, that's a great question. I mean, one way uh, that we that we do try to do that is by including multimedia in in the content. So, you know, um, if you're if you're uh, designing a piece of content and you see through Google Analytics or whatever that people are dropping off at a certain point in the page, then you kind of are then you can kind of realize, oh, you know, they stop finding it interesting at this point. That's a great point in the article to put a video on a similar topic, on the same topic, and just have them give them something to click on, something to re-engage their insights. So that's one kind of like little trick to do it. But then in terms of just like text design, uh, one thing that I've noticed um, that is working for us is when you when you set off to write the article, doing research on the people who you think are going to be reading the article can really help to make the article feel like something that they would experience in their own community. So for example, um, uh, and, and this wasn't, this wasn't uh, uh, something that I asked for, but I, I have this great writer who writes for me and he returned these articles to me. We are writing about different states. So, we serve all the 50 states of the US and we serve Canada as well. And uh, one of my writers came back with these articles where, you know, he was talking very specifically about the different things that drivers and administrators would experience in these states. So he learned, for example, there's a nickname for every US state. And then there's also a term for the people who live in every US state. And he learned all those terms 
and he was using them in the articles. So what that gives is to the article, this very natural feeling where um, you feel like you're talking to uh, somebody who understands what you're really going through um, as somebody who's experiencing business pain points in, in a certain location. And it doesn't have to be just on location. It can be based on industry or whatever. But the point is that um, when you deliver an article that is uh, highly researched and, and very engaged in um, the, the, the lives of the people you're trying to serve, you, you'll, they'll be able to pick up on that. And, and you'll be able to see, you know, um, from the results of the articles, which ones do better. And you can easily tell. If you just write an article with ChatGPT and just post it online, no context or anything, people can pick up on it because when you're reading an article and you don't feel you don't feel like you want to keep reading or anything, oftentimes it's because it's very generic. It's not personalized at all. It doesn't have any relationship to your own life or or um, to the own problems to your to your problems that you're experiencing. Um, so finding ways to like personalized articles. It's almost like a personalization token in the same way that you would put it at the beginning of an email or something like that. Finding little phrases and little words that that people are able to um, to pick up on and, and latch on to. And, and that's the sort of thing that, that keeps them engaged in the article and, and, and makes it feel like you're having a conversation with them instead of just, you know, talking to them or, or trying to sell them something. And then, okay, there's, you know, other tricks you can put bullet points, you can put infographics, et cetera. But that's sort of just table stakes. Obviously you should do that stuff. It's good, it's good article design, but it's really like the, the theory and the philosophy of how you approach writing. Um, and and that should be grounded in uh, understanding who you're who you're talking to and and trying to speak their language. Because at the end of the day, if you're writing an article, it's it's for it should be for one of your stakeholders, whether you're a, a newspaper or a company. It's going to be for one of your stakeholders and doing the research, becoming educated about that community. That's what's really going to uh, keep them coming back. Nice. Yeah. Valuable. Valuable. Uh, you mentioned about ChatGPT. Uh, I want to ask more questions. <laughs> of course, even if you ask on ChatGPT, I don't know how to play guitar, how to lose weight, you can get only generic answers because if you ask like this <laughs> you can get like this you now yeah i completely agree but uh i love ChatGPT. i use a lot uh, and we got mentions on cnn uh, business insider other publications because of editing on ChatGPT. i found this tool works well if you fit with the right data so don't rely on this tool just find the right data uh, and edit content. Can you tell how you use ChatGPT or any other AI tool? Because for me, it's like a must-have today. It's not uh, uh, that was simple to ignore, but hard today. I think impossible tomorrow. And once I spoke with Jeff Coyle, uh, co-founder of Market Muse, and he told me that in the future we will have three companies. The first company will develop AI. The second implement and the third will be obsolete <laughs> so, yeah so share your tips how to use chat gpt if it generates generic content yeah so i don't mean to pick on chat gpt just uh, a lot of people make jokes about it nowadays um and 
but I agree, I agree with you on the whole, you know, um, and I certainly agree with that last quote. Like, if you, to say, you know, as a writer or a marketer, to say, I'm not going to use ChatGPT, to me is the same thing as saying, when the internet came out, I'm not going to use the internet. I'm just going to keep reading books. You know what I mean? And that's fine, right? There are some th books do certain things that the internet didn't. Um, but you still should probably use it, especially if you want to be um, a participant in any kind of business community or even just the modern world in general. There are certain technologies, once they come out, there's just no turning back. So whether you like it or not, you have to learn to use it. And in terms of my own workflows, you know, ChatGPT, so far what I've discovered is that it's a great tool for scaling repetitive tasks. So let's say you want to write like 20 content briefs or something like that. Um, it's pretty hard to do that uh, just as one editor or whatever. You might spend all week doing 20 content briefs on ChatGPT. It just takes one day or something like that. Um, and I think that, so that's one way that I, that I often use it. Another great opportunity is, um, you know, you've written something, you want to deliver it in another form. So you write a long blog post and then you want to make a social media post and you want to make an email out of it as well. ChatGPT is really good at, at taking your text and turning it into something else. Other AI tools too, ChatGPT is just an example. So one, you can use it to scale repetitive tasks. Two, you can use it to transform content into something else. And then finally, I just think that it's a great kind of um, conversation partner and research assistant and somebody that you can just talk to at any time of day. Maybe you wake up in the middle of the night and your wife doesn't want to talk to you right then. So you can talk to ChatGPT instead and do your research that way do your talking that way and just use it as like a, as a tool that um, can, can turn language around in, in lots of different interesting ways. And, you know, language after all is just, um, you know, the physical expression of thought. So really uh, chat GPT or, or AI tools are just another partner that can help you think about stuff. Um, so it's good for certain tasks. It's also good for just thinking. Um, I think that the, the more it evolves, um, the more that AI evolves in general, the less easily we're going to be able to even define what it does because nowadays nobody on a podcast would say, what do you use the internet for? You know what I mean? Nobody would ask, what do you do on the internet? Because now it's everything. You do everything. And artificial intelligence will be that in the future. Um, we will live our lives through it. Um, we'll conduct business through it in the way that currently we conduct our business and our lives through the internet. And I think it's, uh, you know, I think a lot of writers feel uncomfortable with ChatGPT, especially if you're a, a freelance writer um, and you're thinking, is this going to replace me? Are content marketing managers only going to use um, AI tools uh, instead of freelance writers? 
now? And I think that the the answer is definitely not. Um, I think that uh, you know, as long as as um, editors have the budget to hire real human writers, they'll keep hiring them because there's so much work to be done. There's enough for ChatGPT and for real people to do um, all together. However, that doesn't mean that um, you know. And that doesn't mean that that writers should uh, disdain AI writing tools or be afraid of them. Um, I think that whether you're a freelance writer, whether you're a marketing manager, whatever, uh, you should get in there. You should try it. You should figure out how can I use this? Because the ways that I use it are maybe specific to what I like to do. Um, I do creative writing on the side and sometimes I'll use it to make an outline for a short story, for example. That's, but that's, that's just how I prefer to use it. And, and depending on what you do in your daily life, you might find a bunch of other ways to learn how to use it. But the only way you're going to find that stuff is by getting in there and using it. And, you know, the first step to that is just not being afraid of it. Um, because, you know, whether for better or for worse, it's inevitable and it's here to stay. And, um, and you know everyone from business owners to to uh, freelance writers should should definitely take the time to figure out how does this affect uh, my workflow and what I'm able to produce. Yeah, uh, I I couldn't agree more. I think you know, uh, yeah, and you know I think ChatGPT or any AI tool, yeah, will replace human being who have time to complain about that. You know? <laughs> So if uh, uh, writers can complain that this tool will replace them, it will. But I, uh, when I speak with experts, I see all these people are excited about this tool. <laughs> they think, wow, this tool can help me to increase productivity, results, to create high quality content. Uh, I, I spoke with many great writers and many of them can write much better than ChatGPT, much better. Uh, but even these experts can use ChatGPT to create ideas, headlines, many things you can do with ChatGPT. I'm a terrible writer. I can use ChatGPT a lot. And I know this tool can write much better than, than uh, I can. Uh, that's why I can use a lot more than great writers. But anyway, I, this tool can help anyone, anyone who can, who wants create high quality content yeah uh, yeah absolutely yeah i want to ask you about uh, your methods to find uh, the right ideas uh, or uh, to create content plan because i usually see when companies chase high volume they think okay high volume topics i want to take them but it's hard you need to compete with many other companies including wikipedia many other big websites the second it doesn't mean that you can sell by having these keywords. And, uh, for example, I spoke with a uh, webmaster who lost 400,000 traffic. A lot of traffic. It's hard to get 400,000 traffic. But, and uh, uh, that was interesting because he didn't lose any sales. So he had a lot of traffic. Google dropped ranking positions, but sales are the same. Because he <laughs> created traffic uh, that doesn't uh, help uh, sales funnel uh, buying persona so can you tell what to do how to find the right 
topics will sell and less competitive than uh, high volume. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's the, the those are those are the real hard problems. You know what I mean? And those and that's it's it's hard for me to um, you know high volume isn't bad for everyone because you might have a high volume product, right? If you are if you are selling soft drinks, if you're selling pop, a lot of people could buy it, right? So then you can then you can employ a a high volume content strategy. But I I I I agree with you, and and I, I relate to that experience that you were just describing, where you know you see an opportunity, you see a, a keyword with a a low keyword difficulty and lots of traffic and you think this is kind of within my within my sphere of expertise my company kind of does this a little bit why don't i write about that you write about it and i've had experiences where you know a sim similar thing you get 2 million impressions you get 100,000 more clicks and it doesn't change your sales figures at all so you mm -hmm. think what was the point, right? You just, you look at your Google search console and the lines just go straight up <laughs> and then you plateau and you stay high and it just doesn't change your sales. And you think, what the heck is going on? So, so I mean, the ways to get ar around that are to, I guess, assess the potential reach of your actual product. So like I said, if you're selling pop, if you want to compete with Coca-Cola, maybe you should write a blog with um, all of the facts about pop that that you want your audience to know. And and maybe the keyword difficulties are high. Maybe it's, it's 50, 70. But over time, what will end up happening is if you write that blog for five years, then eventually you'll start to rank. Your sales go up. Your other marketing efforts are working in tandem, and 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 eventually you start to get the traffic that that you wanted. Um, but it's going to take a long time. And and I think that the only you know I don't I don't work in a in a in a high volume space right now, so um, I can only imagine how much time it would take. But I think that I think that you have to be patient and you have to wait if you're really going for those keywords not just with high volume but with high difficulty you know mm -hmm. if you see a keyword um whatever tool you use whether it's semrush or ahrefs or moz i mean there's a bunch of these tools but um whichever one you use if you're seeing a keyword difficulty of 40 50 70 it's going to be tough and it's going to take ages and you're going to have to be consistent and you're going to need other people to reference your articles etc it's going to take ages However, when if you are if you are actually lucky enough to be in a small niche, that's actually a great place to be a content marketer because you actually have an opportunity to really spend a lot of time writing about very niche keywords. So if you're in if you're in a space where there is just um, you know, a few hundred search volume for a keyword, 
And but then the keyword difficulty is is three or ten or something like that. A very easy keyword to rank for. That's golden, in my opinion. If you're in if you're in software or another niche space, B two B software, for example, um, that's a great opportunity. And what I would do is just you know write about those keywords with as with as much passion as possible. And then the other thing is that you know if you have a niche keyword or sorry, if you're in a niche space and you have a, a keyword with seven or 800, actually what you're seeing is that's actually the high search volume. And then you get down and then you see these long tail keywords that have zero to 10 searches per month. But you have an opportunity to write about those too. And those actually might, might turn out to be your, your higher converting keywords because there's, there could be very high buying intent on some of those those keywords that that um, that have you know 10, 20, 30 searches per month, that might be people who have a, a very high willingness to to actually uh, convert. So I think that even in a, in a niche space, you can still fall into the trap of high volume. It's just the high volume is relative. Maybe it's a thousand searches per month is high volume and 30 searches per month is long tail versus a hundred thousand and a thousand. So it's, you gotta, you gotta pay attention to those things. I'm actually lucky because when I started out content marketing, I started out in a very niche space with low volume because if I had started out in a big company, I just would have been attracted by the big numbers. I would have thought a hundred thousand people are searching that. Let's write on this. Let's write on this. And then you'd get trapped and you wouldn't know why it wasn't working. So I got lucky. I started out um, with low volume, long tail, uh, just kind of by, by chance and by luck. And, and um, that's been obviously quite good for, uh, you know, it's been a very productive um, content marketing workflow so far. Mm-hmm. Nice. Yeah, nice. Awesome. Uh, Torben, I want to ask about promotion. If you write the best article in the niche, you know, great article, but uh, without promotion, it depends. Big brands like Forbes, uh, popular websites, most of these websites don't need marketing promotion because their audience can do it. You know, if they share article, they have loyal audience who can read, share, uh, even to create links and it works well. That's why Forbes, uh, big websites never use link building, but small websites need it. You know, it's like blood of our promotion uh, to get results. Uh, and I know some uh, medium, uh, uh, medium uh, brands. I mean, like between uh, popular brands like Forbes and uh, websites without traffic, like in the, in the medium stage, and some of them don't use link building too. They create a lot of high quality content. Some content can bring results, some content don't. Uh, it's part of the game. So, and I see different opinions. Uh, the last time Google, uh, not the last time, all the time, Google tells we don't need link building, just create high quality content. But sometimes you create this content without ranking, it's hard, you know? <laughs> it's painful. So, your tips what to do? Uh, do we need link building? Uh, because Right now we have, uh, I think, like it's decreasing uh, the impact uh, of link building of links, uh, and I can feel like uh, Google is taking approach from TikTok you now, where uh, you 
only uh, valuable interesting content, entertainment content, and TikTok can rent this content. Uh, so your tips about link building. Yeah, so I, I, I'm not the best person to advise anyone on link building because mm -hmm. I actually haven't gone with that strategy. Um, and I think that it's because of when I got into content marketing. Um, I think that it was a, a lot bigger before I was a content marketer, frankly. Mm -hmm. um, and so we, um, I've, I've, I've tried a few times to investigate it and figure out, you know, what would be a good strategy that would work for, for Cardata. Um, and in the end, every time I've sort of gone down that road and investigated it and tried to figure it out, and then have decided not to or decided to wait and wait. And then at the same time as we were doing that, what started happening was that the blog we were building started to rank organically. So I just thought, you know, I'm just going to spend time creating high quality content. Um, and I guess I'll leave it up to Google and I'll leave it up to um, our users and our, our website visitors to to decide what works. That doesn't mean we're not promoting content though. Um, we, you know, we promote it on social media. That's a big one for us. And we promote it by email. Um, so we are intentionally driving traffic to the content through other audiences. It just hasn't been through other people's blogs and websites through traditional link building. Um, you know, what I, what I what I what I would what I would have liked to have done, and um, what I would like to continue investigating in the future is, um, if you have if you have partners in your space, other businesses that you work with, people you trust, um, people whose websites are equally high quality to yours, if you can investigate some way of kind of um, you know, building up content together, you're writing on similar topics. You can, you know, refer to each other's content as authoritative. That could be a good way, and that's something that I'd be interested in investigating in the future. Is um, do do are you know you meet a you meet another content marketer or you have a business partner or something like that? Um, can we can you work together to build up content in tandem? And then, I mean, that that would be interesting to me. Aside from that, we continue to promote content like on social media by email, etc. And then, obviously, you know, I think that the, the the most links going to my website are from within the website, right? So I'm a big fan of like I was describing this before, just building up your internal your internal linking abilities, so that once people finally do find your site, then they stay there for a long time. Um, but in terms of traditional uh, off-page strategies, I am not the best advisor because I, I actually don't yeah. have a, a ton of experience with that. Yeah, got it, got it. That's okay. Yeah, if it works, why not? You know, and yeah. uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, because I know some big brands, uh, websites that have a million traffic and they never use link building. <laughs> I ask a few times, oh, what kind of link building do you have? We have no any link building. <laughs> Common yeah. reply. So it's okay. Uh, okay. Uh, I want to ask about your experience. What mm. I found um, in my company, we get 
high results with clients who understand SEO. So mm -hmm. if they understand, uh, then we can cooperate like a cohesive team. Uh, we know why we need to create high quality content, what kind of content to create, why it's more important to get traffic value than to get more traffic. Um, many different insights. If my clients don't understand, I usually tell them, take my course, learn from Lily Ray, Jeff Coyle, Mike Phillip, Chelsea Alvis, go to YouTube, go to Google, find a bunch of free resources, just learn, get the basic. If you know the basic, you can get great results with me, with someone else, but you know how it works. Uh, let's imagine if you started today from scratch without any experience, knowledge, skills, it's your first day in content marketing. You didn't write anywhere. <laughs> you didn't uh, shoot any photos, <laughs> pictures. Forget about that, this experience. It's your first day. What will you do today if you started from scratch? That's a great question. <laughs> I've never thought about that, actually. Um, I guess I would... Um, you know what I would do? Um... I think that I would try to listen to uh, my personas. I think that I would. I, I think that I would try to call a customer um, or listen to a sales call or something like that, and try to start with how the customers think about the product space that you're trying to sell. So first day on the job, I would listen to sales calls and I would talk to customers because actually all the keyword research and everything that we do in the end is just kind of a surrogate for how our customers and prospects are thinking and talking about their pain points and the products that they might end up buying. So, and that's, and that's, and that's what marketing is, right? It's, it's about meeting people where they're at. Um, it's about finding what people need, where they need it and trying to solve their problem. So, you know, there's all the, there's a, a million different technical things to SEO that you can learn and all of that stuff is important. But none of that stuff will get you anywhere if you don't understand uh, who you're selling to, what you're selling, and why you're selling it. Um, because that's what, that's what it is at the end of the day. SEO is just one way of getting your product to the people who need it, where they need it, and when they need it. Yeah. 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 Nice. Nice. I think, yeah. Uh, the era of lazy marketers is that now. So <laughs> if you don't learn about your customers, uh, you can't get results. I remember when I didn't care about customers. I cared only mm -hmm. about algorithms. Yeah, mm -hmm. I didn't learn about how to satisfy their intent because competition was low. I knew how algorithms work. Today, I have no idea how it works. <laughs> You know, because it's complicated machine, you know, and if someone can tell you uh, uh, the, that 
someone knows, I don't know, uh, it's it's why, you know, <laughs> because yeah. even even people on Google don't yeah. know how it works because it's AI. Uh, and I have my final question mm-hmm. about the future. Mm-hmm. I want to ask you, take your crystal ball and forecast what kind of future will be in content marketing. We have AI today. Apple is going to launch headset, augmented reality. I don't know how it looks, but uh, yeah. By the, by the way, I don't see a big difference now because it, it's the same. You know, if I yeah. watch to my screen, you know, I can have these uh, glasses. Uh, anyway, many things are coming. Technologies are coming fast. Your prediction about the future and how we can adapt to this possible future. Yeah, it's a great, it's a great question. Um, and I think that marketers have a tendency to worry about the future because we kind of think a little bit in silos. One person thinks I'm a product marketer. Another person thinks I'm a search engine marketer. Um, another person thinks I'm a PPC specialist, etc. And um, I would encourage people to stop worrying <laughs> about the future. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, you can if you want to, but I think that um, what we're going to see is more and more content, everyday more content, um, higher volumes, faster pace. But what that will create is a high saturation point for poor content. And then companies like Google, um, like you know Bard or ChatGPT or whatever, they're going to have to get better at finding the good content and serving it to their users. Because at the end of the day, wherever you're, wherever you're placing your content, whether it's on LinkedIn or your own website to get served by Google, once ChatGPT starts citing its sources like Bardwell, et cetera, wherever it's going, the companies that serve the content are doing it in order that their users come back to their site. Google provides content so that people keep using Google, et cetera. Um, So what these companies will get better at doing, this is my prediction, is filtering out the bad content and serving the good stuff. So I think that, like you said, the the, the era of the lazy marketer is gone. You can't just pump out junk content anymore. And, And AI, is attractive because you think, oh, I can scale everything now. I can write a hundred blog posts today and publish them all. But that strategy in the future will not get us anywhere because soon we'll be able to make AI movies, you know, that look just like real films. And what's going to happen is the internet is going to be completely full of questionable content and as a as a marketer and as a creative, you're gonna have to not create more, but create better. And the onus is gonna be on you to um, to spend way more time working on one little piece of content than to spend that same time creating 20, 30 pieces of content. Um, so that's what I see in the future is the the most people are just gonna make junk and fire it out into the world. But if you want to be successful, 
um, as a as a business person or as a as an advertiser, you're going to need to be very deliberate about what you create and the 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 companies and the search engines and the whatever that 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 serves this content is going to be designed and redesigned in order to discover the best content to find what really is um, actually high quality and will keep their users coming back. So I don't I think that's I think that's a good thing. I think that the the future of content marketing is actually brighter because um, like you said, the the day of the lazy marketer has has gone. Yeah. yeah. I think yeah I couldn't agree more. Um, less but quality is key. Now uh, it's hard. It's hard to create a lot of content. Uh, then why you need to create a lot of content? <laughs> create less content. Like Brian Dean, he can mm -hmm. write an article in Mon. It works well. He got a lot of traffic because he usually creates the best article online. The best, super high quality article. So if you can't create much better, I usually don't touch these topics. <laughs> so you, you, I check and I see, okay, I can create similar, but not better. <laughs> Why I need to compete with thousand other websites? So yeah, it's not a good idea. But if you can, then spend all efforts to create masterpiece. If, we, if it's not masterpiece, but create the best possible content. Then it works. <laughs> yeah, Torben, it's a big pleasure to get in my show, to learn from you. I love this experience. Uh, tell the best way how to get learning from you, how to reach out to you, how to follow you. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, you can uh, you can follow me on LinkedIn. That's probably the best way. Uh, just Torben Robertson on LinkedIn and um, happy to connect with, with anybody who's interested. Nice. Guys, uh, I'll submit the link uh, to LinkedIn account in the description below. Listen to us on Apple, Google, Spotify. Thanks again for time. Love it. So valuable. Guys, I recommend to anyone to follow Torben on social media because you can see a lot of value. Okay, love you. See you. Thanks for listening to this entire podcast. Please rank your experience in Apple, Spotify, Google, or any other platforms that you may use. Also, please share your ranking mark on chat at seotools.tv to get a special gift. We'll see you soon on other valuable audio podcasts.